first time, second time, 20th time, 200th time. Good to see everybody here with us in Harlingen Messianic Synagogue, where we are Torah observant slash Yeshua centered. Amen. Got two amens in. <laughs> well, let me say that again. We are Torah observant. We observe the Torah. And we are Yeshua centered. Because when you when you when you observe the Torah, you are automatically Yeshua centered. Because Yeshua is the living Torah. Amen. <laughs> so hallelujah for that. Um before we begin, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, Kabbalah Shabbat services will resume next Friday night at 7 p.m. Um, there was not a service, obviously, yesterday, but there will uh, be service next week. Uh, we do have our Hanukkah party tomorrow night at 7 p.m. right here in our shul. So feel free to bring your Hanukkah, bring your, bring your candles too, because we're not going to provide candles. right? Bring your Hanukkah candles as well. Uh, you only need two. Right? It's the first day, first night. Uh, again, that will be at 7 p.m. If anybody um, would like to help to, you know, set up and decorate, please feel free to come by. Um, we can discuss that afterwards if you wish to, to come by and help out. We can discuss maybe a time and, and all that good stuff. So, again, that's tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Also, get with my wife regarding food. Uh, I know she's uh, going to be grilling some, some fish, right? Um and uh, I know people are, you know, have already said they're going to bring certain things. So whatever you want to bring, just be sure it's kosher and be sure there's no meat at all. No meat at all. And now, by the way, just so you guys know, I know for Oneg, we're always saying, you know, don't bring meat, don't bring meat. We're not vegetarian. <laughs> just so you guys know. Just so you guys know. We're not uh, anti-meat or anything like that. It's just that um, meat, for us to eat it, must be kosher. Right, and kosher meat is very expensive and very hard to come by. Right, we do have, we did have kosher meat here, but we ran out. <laughs> right, so uh, just to keep this, th keep things simple, and keep things kosher, we just keep everything parve. Right, which which is just uh, no meat, and so uh, fish is not meat. So there we go, guys. Conversion class number four is going on today after Oneg, so we're excited about that. Hallelujah. And uh, just always a reminder, tzedakah, tzedakah, tzedakah. It's always, not just it's always good, but it's, it's a commandment, it's a mitzvah to, to give tzedakah, to give our tithes, to give our offerings, right? We have our uh, tzedakah box at the entrance. We have our uh, PayPal account. You may give in that way as well. And not only that, it's a mitzvah as well. Whenever there are holidays, to also give tzedakah during those moments. So, Hanukkah's coming. It's a perfect moment for us to be giving tzedakah. Hallelujah. And one last thing. I want to encourage you, keep encouraging you to pray for our own building. Amen? We need to pray for our own place. We need to pray that, um, I don't know if you guys remember, I don't know how many months ago, we had some torrential rains here, right? And we, didn't have, we couldn't have service because there was water in here, right? Um, so, you know, that's just one of the things, you know, that, you know, is a drawback to our current building. We love our building. We take care of our building. We take care of it like if it's, it's the best of the best, which it is to us. Amen. But at the same time, we know that, um, Hashem is taking us places, right? He's growing us. And in order to accommodate, we need our own place. Amen. To not just be limited to just services on Shabbat, for example, Erev Shabbat, Shabbat morning, but also to have facilities for children, for classes, right? 
Playgrounds for kids, for example. Our own mikvah, hallelujah. So we need all those things, amen. So please sit, let's set the foundation together with our prayers, amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray the blessing for our Torah study today. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with this commandment, that commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. And may we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Bingru. Hallelujah. We are on Parashat Vayeshev, Vayeshev, which we're going to be on Bereshit 37, verse 1. So if you're following along in your Tanakh, um, we're going to be in Genesis 37, verse 1. And this is what the Word of God says. Yaakov, Jacob, settled in the land of his father's sojournings. In the land of Canaan, which, by the way, is the promised land, is the land of Israel. At that point, it was not called Israel yet. It was called Canaan or Canaan. These are the chronicles of Yaakov. Yosef, everybody say Yosef. Yosef, at the age of 17 years, was a shepherd with his brothers by the flock, but he was a youth with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Yosef would bring evil reports about them to their father. Now Israel loved Yosef more than all his sons since he was a child of his old age, and he made him a fine woolen tunic. His brothers saw it, that it was he whom their father loved most of all his brothers, so they hated him, and they could not speak to him peaceably. Have you ever been around someone that doesn't like you? At, you know, either doesn't like you at all, or doesn't like you at that moment, right? You guys had a, a difficulty or whatever, you guys had an argument or whatever. And then you have to meet up for, you know, for a family get-together or whatever. Or you bump into each other, right? And, um, you know, you, you're kind of you're okay, but they're not. And you can tell right away, they're like, hey, <laughs> right? They're like, I just, I, I'm just saying hi to you because I kind of have to because you know, we bump into each other. It's a family gathering or whatever, right? But it's an awkward hi, right? It's very awkward because there's hatred within the heart, right? Imagine... Imagine the situation where you have brothers, a bunch of brothers. We have 10 brothers, right? At, at that time, there were a total of 11 brothers total. You have 10 of your brothers who cannot stand the sight of you, right? It's one thing to bump into someone. It's one thing to see someone in a family gathering or, or whatever or at work, and they don't like you and they don't want to speak to you, right? It's awkward. It's another thing for you to live with a person, <laughs> right? You live with them and they can't stand you. So every day, and they make it known, right? The cold shoulder, right? Every day you're getting the cold shoulder, right? That was the life of Joseph at this point, right? Now, the sages teach a very important principle in the Torah, which is that the lives of the patriarchs, the lives of the forefathers, preview what will happen to the children. There are precedents that are established. What is a precedent? We've been talking about that the past couple of weeks. A precedent is something that, an action that is taken, and then it is then followed by others afterwards. Give you an example. Our country was founded by individuals that were uh, later named the founding fathers, right? Our country, the United States of America, right? George Washington was one of them, right? Uh, George Washington, when he became president, he did something very interesting. When he, in his second term, 
he was um, he was going to retire. He retired early. He did not finish his second term, so he he quit a little early for different reasons. And when he did, he gave a farewell speech, which is called a farewell address. Now, there's no law. There was no precedent at all for giving a farewell address as you leave office. So he established it. So guess what every president has done since him? They have given a farewell address. Every president, right? That is an example of a precedent. Well, the Midrash Shabbat in 84.6, Midrash Shabbat 84.6 asks this question. Why do the chronicles of Yaakov, of Jacob, begin with Joseph? We just read that. The chronicles of Jacob, Joseph, starts with Joseph. Shouldn't it have started with Reuben? Reuben was the firstborn. Joseph was the, the 11th born at that time. Why start with Joseph instead of Reuben? The literal firstborn. According to H. Yosef, he answers that of all of Jacob's sons, Yosef was his closest replica. His closest replica. And the Midrash goes on to, to list 24, count them, 24 similarities between Yaakov and Yosef. I'm going to list a few. I'm not going to go through all 24. But listen to this. Both Jacob and Joseph had barren mothers. They could not, they could not conceive. And then the fact that they were conceived was a miracle. Right? We talked about that not too long ago. So miraculous births. Both were shepherds. Both were elevated through prophetic dreams. Both went down to Mitzrayim. Both went down to Egypt. Both imposed an oath on their family, on their brothers, to take me out of Egypt and bury me in the land of Israel. Both had brothers, listen to this, both had brothers who hated them. I don't know if you've caught that before. Esau hated Jacob. Right? For stealing the birthright, right? But over here, he's got, Joseph's got 10 brothers that can't stand. And they both had brothers who sought to kill them. Esau <laughs> wanted him dead. These brothers wanted him dead. We're going to talk about that today. So, if Yaakov established precedents that Joseph followed, how much more so are Mashiach? How much more so? Mashiach ben Yosef. We've talked about this before. There are two Mashiachs in ancient Jewish literature, in the oral tradition, in the oral Torah. There are two Mashiach, not two different people, so to speak. But first must come Mashiach ben Yosef. And what happened to Yosef? He suffered. We must first have the suffering servant. What, are you, what happened with Yeshua? He was a suffering servant. Then later, what do we have? Later we have Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben David, son of David, who will rule and reign. Amen? He will rule and reign. But first we've got to have Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, listen to the precedents and how they connect with Yeshua. Listen to this. Just like Joseph and just like Jacob, Yeshua had a miraculous birth, didn't he? Now, Miriam was not barren, but she was a virgin, <laughs> right? That's, that's impossible. You can't, you, that cannot happen. But with God, all things are possible. Number two, he, 
he referred to himself, Yeshua referred to himself as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. Amen? He was protected, listen to this, by not just one, but four dreams that were given to his father, his earthly father, Joseph. We read of one today. Angel read of that in the, in the, Farash, in the, in the Besora reading. The warnings, right? That, hey, it's okay. Joseph, take Miriam as your wife. That child is from the Ruach HaKodesh. And there were three more dreams. Back to back to back. Warning, hey, Herod's after you. Herod's after Yeshua. Leave. Okay, he goes down to, guess where? Just like Jacob and Joseph, guess where he went? Egypt. They go down there. Another dream. Hey, the, Herod's dead. The people that were after you, after Yeshua, they're dead. Come back. In a dream. He comes back. In another dream. Oh, uh, just so you know, Herod's son is now in charge. So just, you might not want to go back to, back home. So where do they go? Up to the Galilee. And he was raised in Nazareth for that reason. Okay? Now, he was also, like Yaakov and Joseph, buried in Eretz Israel. The difference though, big difference, he was resurrected also <laughs> in Eretz Israel. Amen? And he, Yeshua, like Yaakov and like Joseph, had brothers who hated him, and he had brothers who sought to kill him. Do you see the patterns here? The precedent. See, one of the sources of, we just read in, in our scripture, of the brothers' hatred for Yosef was the tunic, right? The fine woolen tunic. They saw that and they just, oh, I can't stand the sight of this kid, right? Now, the Midrash asked, what's the significance of this woolen tunic? What's the big deal? There's a lot to it. I'm only going to get to one insight today. The word for tunic, is pasim. Everybody say pasim. Pasim. Psalm 66, verse 5. Listen to what it says. It's going to connect to pasim right now. Go and see the works of God. He is awesome in plotting for mankind. Say plotting. Plotting, planning, scheming for mankind. Verse 6. He turned the sea into dry land. There's a connection there. So he's plotting for mankind, and then he turned the sea into dry land. Obviously, the Exodus, the parting of the Sea of Reeds. So, Hashem's plots, Hashem's plans lead to paths where there are no paths. Let me repeat that. Hashem's plots lead to paths where there are no paths. Was there a path in the Sea of Reeds? No. Try, try crossing... Um, the, the bay without the bridge. You need a boat. You need, right? You can't step in there. The, the sea's not going to part there, <laughs> right? He literally created a path where there was no path. And not only was a path created, but the land was dry. All it's known is wet, right? The bottom of the sea, all it's known is wet. And now it's dry just like that. For his people. So, how do we connect all this? The Midrash Rabbah 84.8 connects these verses to the sale of Joseph and asks, 
Why did Hashem plot this whole situation for Joseph had brothers who hated him. Why bring it to that point? Because Hashem is orchestrating, plotting everything. He's behind everything. But why? The answer, I love this, is in order for the sea of reeds to split before them. Because the word Pasim, remember we talked about the word Pasim, that's the word tunic, is a contraction of two Hebrew words. Pas, not, not P-A-Z in Spanish, not peace, okay? Pas, P-A-S, means slice. And the second word is yam. Yam means sea. The slicing of the sea. See the connection? The tunic which was a source of the hatred and the anger and ultimately the sale of Joseph into slavery, right? Connects directly with the slicing of the Sea of Reeds. I hope you're getting this. See, we as human beings, right? We only see what's before us. We're bound by time, right? That's all we see. That's all we can understand and comprehend, right? If we were to see we would pass out probably in shock, right? We would just see into the spirit realm, see all the angels surrounding the demons and, you know, all this stuff going on. We'd probably pass out. I, would, I probably would, right? But we don't see that. All we see before us is the hatred. All we see before us is the struggle, the pain, the sorrow, the grief, the fear, the anxiety, whatever, right? Whatever's before us. Oh, our country is just... You know, it's, it's so immoral now. That's all we see, right? And it, yes, it is, but that's all we see. But Hashem doesn't see what we see. He doesn't see, he doesn't see just the before and what's going on right now. He sees the after. He, says, he sees the end from the beginning and the middle. See, we can never read the bad headlines of our lives without the final approval of the editor. If you, if you read a newspaper, if you look online and read news, for example, none of that is printed, none of that is published without the stamp of approval by the editor. Right? If somebody has a problem, they go to the editor. Who's our editor? Shem. Nothing happens without his. And sometimes it's very hard for people to understand. The question that people always ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Why do bad things go? Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Well, could we argue that Yosef was a, a good person? Yeah. Now, was he a perfect person? By no means. Right? He's tattletale. Right? He's speaking lashon hara. Right? He, he's doing some evil things. Right? But why do these things happen? There's many reasons, right? and some of those we we will not understand until we're in Shemaim. But one thing we can't understand, especially from the story, is that whatever is going on, Hashem's the editor. Hello? Hashem's the plotter. He's got the plot. He's the writer. That gives that should give us comfort. Understanding that. So you mean to tell me okay, Sido, so you got cancer. I have cancer in my body right now. So you got cancer. So that's Hashem. Yeah. 
See, we give too much credit to the enemy. We always give credit to them. The other day, I, when was it? I think it was just yesterday, in fact. We were hanging out with some friends, right? And we we're talking about different things, different issues going on in, in, in our workplaces and stuff. And then I said something about the enemy, right? Well, the enemy doesn't want us to succeed or something. I don't know, something. And then I, I caught myself I'm like, why am I giving him credit? Why am I giving him street cred here? Like, come on now. He's not in charge. He can't do anything without Hashem saying, go ahead. Ultimately, it's all Hashem. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, this explains why in the Siddur, the Siddur includes a blessing when we hear very bad news. That sounds like an oxymoron, right? So we're going to say a blessing when there's bad news? Yeah. What's the blessing? Blessed are you, Adonai. I'm not going to say the whole blessing. It's not saying in vain. It ends with the true judge. Very simple blessing. The true judge. We say the normal formula. Blessed are you, Adonai. King, right? And then the true judge. Why do we say that? Because we're not saying, oh, the enemy just really hit me hard on this. No! It's the true judge. He's the one that's allowing this to happen. He's the one that is plotting this in your life, not for evil, but I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and for a hope. That's the whole purpose. So let's stop giving you-know-who some credit. Let's give the true judge his credit. Now, why on earth, though? Listen, listen, listen. Let's just think logically here. Yaakov is a smart guy. He, he's, a, he's a schemer, right? I mean, we, we know his track record, right? He's a smart guy. Do you think it was, he was blinded by the fact that his sons hated Joseph? No. He knew it. So why on earth would a loving father send his, his favorite son, Mijito Chulo Precioso, right, to go all by himself out into the wilderness to go check on the brothers who hate him. What? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right? Think about it. What was Jacob thinking? The true judge. The true judge is in charge. The true judge says, Jacob blinded him to that. <laughs> Blinded him to that. Mijo, go check on, on your brother. Just go check. Go. And Joseph, the Midrash tells us that Joseph said, Hineni. He called him. Anytime, for example, when, when Hashem called Moshe, the burning bush. He said, Moshe, Hineni. Hineni. Here I am. Not just here I am physically. Here I am spiritually. Here I am emotionally. Here I am in air. Completely focused. Yes. What do you need? What is your wish? My master. That was Joseph's attitude. Joseph knew what he's asking me is dangerous, but he submitted to his father. I'm probably going to get beat up or something like that's going to happen. And I'm going to go anyway. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Ring any bell? Yeshua? Right? This was another plot by Hashem. Could this be another precedent? Let's see. Our Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son 
to check on his brothers. Hello. To check on his brothers, to send a message on behalf of the father, right? Knowing they would hate him. What was the message that Hashem showered upon Yeshua? He was, he was in the Yarden, right? In the river. He goes to Yohanan the Immersed. He gets immersed. Wait a minute. He's sinless. Why is he immersed? Right? All things must be fulfilled. He immerses, comes up. What happens? What does, the, what does daddy say? What does the father in heaven say? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Right? The voice came from heaven. This favored son, this son that is, that pleases his father, is being sent to those that he knows would hate him by himself, quote, quote unquote, quote unquote, to a distant land. He's coming, you can't get more distant than Shemaim and the earth, right? You can't get more distant than that. Now both were Hashem plotting for mankind. One, Yosef, would lead to the slicing of the sea of reeds at the Exodus. The other, Yeshua, would lead to the slicing of sin and death. Oh man, no amens there. We're not excited about uh, Yeshua slicing some sin and death in our lives? Parting some seas. Now how? Okay. You probably wonder, okay, but how does this connect to the tunic and Yosef? Here's where we're going. How would the slicing of the sea of reeds, which by the way, did not happen until centuries later, occur because of their hatred for Joseph? The hatred of Joseph's brothers, which by the way, guys, by the way, Joseph's brothers were godly men. Hashem, Hashem rejected Esau, right? He did not reject the tribes. He did not reject They were God. They followed Torah. They were men of God. So how can we explain this hatred? The true judge. The true judge. But for what purpose? Listen, the hatred of Joseph's brothers, who were all godly men, kick-started a series of events that eventually took Joseph down to Mitzrayim. He, he descended to Mitzrayim and ended up in Potiphar's house as a slave. What happened there to him? He was tempted by Potiphar's wife. And that's where we connect all this together. But Sheet 39, in case you're following along, I'm going to skip. It's still in the Parashah. They Sheet Genesis 39, verse 10. Listen to what it says. And so it was, just as she coaxed Yosef day after day, so he would not listen to her to lie beside her to be with her. Then there was an opportune day when he entered the house to do his work. No man of the household staff being there in the house, that she caught hold of him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled. Ever say, ever say he fled? He fled and he went outside. Joseph, um, he's a strong guy. He's a tough guy. And now he's even tougher because he's enduring slavery. Right? 
could he have not wrestled with Potiphar's wife and, you know, yanked it away from her and just, you know, maybe give her a little shove or something? I don't know, done something, right? Make, make a little move. He could have done that and taken his, his uh, garment, but why would he leave the evidence? Complete with fingerprints, DNA, video, audio, I mean, you name it, right? He left everything behind in the hands of Potiphar's wife. You know why? Because he chose to sacrifice his reputation. He knew she can use this against me. And she did. She can falsely accuse me. And she did. And yet, he chose to leave it. And he could also, he knew, I could possibly even lose my life. I'm assaulting. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna be accused, I may be accused of assaulting this woman, Potiphar's wife, one of the main leaders in Egypt. Um that's cause for the death penalty. Right? See, friends, we have a lot to learn here from Joseph. You know what we need to learn? Very important. We're not as strong as we think. Very important for understanding that. We're not as strong as we think. Oh, but I, I go to synagogue every Shabbat, right? I'm a synagogue, I'm there, and, you know, I, I teach, or I, I, I sing, or I play an instrument, or I do PowerPoint, or whatever, I clean, or whatever, I, I, and I pray every day, right? I pray, you know, Shacharit, Mincha, Mariv every day. I'm always at the festivals, and blah, 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 right? We, we, you know, I, t I study Torah every day, and we sometimes, if we're not careful, we can get a little, little over our heads and... Uh, underestimate our enemies. Underestimate the evil inclination. Right? That's within us. we got to realize, you know, I'm not as strong as I think. You know, sometimes we'll, you know, on Shabbat. Right? It's Shabbat. Um, you know what? I'll just, uh, I'll just walk, walk, I'll just take a walk through the store. I'll just take a walk through them. I, I got to walk. So let me walk through a store. I don't got to buy anything. Right? And what are we doing? We're just window shopping. We're still, you know, in our minds, we're still buying. Oh, I want that. I want that. <laughs> right? Right? Why even put ourselves in that? Right? We'll just hug and hold hands. But that's all. <laughs> right? We'll just hug and hold hands. That's all. Nothing else is going to happen. I'll just have one bite of that dessert. Just one. Is it always just one, one bite? No, come on. Especially an old egg, right? An old egg is like, nah. <laughs> Right, we got one bite, and then by the time you know it's one slice, <laughs> right? By the time you know it's one pot, <laughs> right? I'll just hang out with them, but I won't, you know, I won't be like them, right? Because again, sometimes we think we're stronger than we actually are, and and what do we do? We end up putting ourselves in situations like the situation with Joseph, but we don't learn from Joseph. Sometimes we need to learn from Joseph and flee. Let's get out of here. Don't even put, let, I'm not even going to put myself in that situation. This is, this is why Yeshua said, Yeshua said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Throw it away. Right? He says that. What, what is he talking about? I've never heard of anybody doing that literally. He didn't mean it literally. Right? What he's saying is, listen, don't put yourself in a situation. Where you can be tempted. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to see something 
that you're not supposed to see. Right? This is what we need to learn from Joseph. Now, Psalm 114, verse 1, says this. When Israel came out of Egypt, again, we're tying the tunic to the slicing of the seed. When Israel came out of Egypt, Yaakov's house from a people foreign speaking, Yehuda, Judah, became his sanctuary. Israel, his dominion, this is it right here. The sea saw and fled. The, red, the Sea of Reeds, otherwise known as the Red Sea, saw and fled. Was sliced. What did the sea see? <laughs> what did the sea see? According to Midrash Tehillim 114, it saw the casket of Joseph descending into the sea. Remember, what was... His commandment to the people, to his brothers. When you leave here, you are going to leave here and return home to the promised land. Take my bones with you. Well, there they go. Pharaoh's army behind. The sea before. Can't go anywhere to the side. The only way is forward. They step in with the casket. And what happens? The sea sees the one who fled. And Hashem says, let the sea flee from one who fled. Hallelujah. Therefore, Hashem's plot to lead the brothers to hatred and to eventually selling Joseph was ultimately for their own salvation, for their own Benefit centuries later. But all we see is, right? Hashem's like, you're in time. I'm outside of it. I got all the time in the world. Actually, I don't even have all the time in the world because there's no time. <laughs> see, Hashem's plot, let's connect this to Yeshua. Hashem's plot to lead Yeshua's brothers to hate him. Hello, did you hear that? Hashem's plot to lead Yeshua's brothers to hate him, it was God. Without hatred, would Israel have been saved? Joseph would never have been sold. He would never have been tempted. The sea would never have seen and fled. Even more so, our Mashiach. Had the brothers not hated him, to the point of wanting him dead. They would have never had Yeshua. Salvation. For them. For us. And for the world. Midrash Shabbat 84.14 states that when the brothers plotted to kill Joseph, they said this. Listen to this. Come, let us incite dogs against him. So they try to rile up the dogs, right? The little chihuahuas, right? I'm like, hey, that's not going to work, right? Little pugs, nah. Yeah, Rottweiler, there we go. Like, come, hey, go, go, go. Sick them, sick them, boy, sick them, right? And, and, and they were like my, my, my puppy. My, my, well, she's not a puppy anymore. My little pug, she'll only obey if she sees a treat in our hand. <laughs> that's the only time. Sit, speak, hey, jump. No treat, come. 
So they tried to incite dogs, and the dogs were like, like my pug. Now, why did they do that? Why did they want to incite dogs against Joseph? Oh, there's so much here. They didn't want to kill him themselves. Just as Joseph's brothers did not want to kill him with their own hands. They're so complicit. They did not want to kill him with their own hands. Yeshua's brothers, likewise, handed him over to the dog. What did Yeshua? Yeshua had a conversation with a lady who was a Gentile, non-Jew. And she had a, a daughter who was demon-possessed. And then Yeshua is ignoring her. Right? His mission is not to the Goli. His mission is to Eretz Yisrael, is, is to the Jews. But she's kept persisting, persisting, persisting. And she said, and finally he said, it is not good to give the, the food of the children to the dog. He called her a dog? That was a reference of Gentiles. Oh. There's reasons for that. I'm not I'm trying to get in. And she didn't get offended. She was like, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. Oh, he said, whoa, that is faith. Your daughter has been healed in the name of Yeshua. Oh, in my name. <laughs> Your daughter has been healed. <laughs> so, Yeshua's brothers, they did not get their hands. They did not kill him themselves. It was a team effort. Hand him to the Romans. Hand him to the dog. And they'll do that. Matityahu, Matthew 20, 17. Now, as Yeshua was going up to Yerushalayim, he took the twelve aside privately. And on the way he told them, look, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man, by the way, that's a reference for the Mashiach. He's basically saying, the Mashiach, the Son of Man, will be handed over to the ruling Kohanim, to the ruling priests. By the way, this is a side note, the ruling Kohanim were individuals that were not true Kohanim, meaning they were not true priests. Herod would literally sell the priesthood to the highest bidder. They were not even Levites. They were not even sons of Aaron. It was a corrupt priesthood. So those corrupt priests and the Torah scholars who likewise were of the corrupt. Now, he didn't, did he say, they're going to hand me over to all the Jews and all the Jews are going to execute me? No. He's, he's being very specific here. Right? Who's gonna, who are going to be my excuse? Who are my brothers that are going to accuse me? They will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles. Hello. Hand him over to the dogs just like Joseph to mock and to scourge and to crucify. Yet on the third day, he will be raised up. We got to stop and think about this for a second. So you mean to tell me Yeshua knew what was happening the whole time? Yes. And he still went for it? Yes. Joseph, go to your brothers. He knew something bad's going to happen here. I will still go. Yeshua was in on Hashem's plot for mankind the whole time. He knew it was Hashem's 
plan. Friends, listen, without these precedents, they're literally found all over the Oral Torah, all over the Talmud, all over the Midrash Shabbat, all over the Ramban, Rashi, you name it. People jump to conclusions the last almost 2,000 years and label our people, the Jews, Christ killers, who deserved the Crusades, who deserved the Spanish Inquisition, who deserved the pogroms, who deserve even this today because they're Christ killers. Right? Can anyone kill the Christ? Come on now. I remember, what movie was it? One of the Batman movies, The Dark Knight or something like that. I don't know which one. There's a guy who finds out that the guy that's furnishing all of Batman's gear, his cars and everything, his flying, whatever, vehicles and everything, he finds out, this guy that works for him, finds out, I saw that on the news. You're providing Batman with this stuff. So he goes to, to the guy, right? And he goes, uh, yeah, I know what's going on, and um, I want $10 million every year for the rest of my life. And he's bribing him, right? And, and then the guy goes, let me get this straight. So you're trying to bribe a vigilante who is beating people to a pulp every single night, right? And administering justice all over, all over the, the city. And uh, your plan is to blackmail this person? He goes, good luck with that. And the guy goes, yeah, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> so we think we can kill the Ben Elohim, the son of God? Someone is to blame? Friends, remember the precedent, another precedent of the Akeda. We've talked plenty about this. Yitzhak, who was in his 30s, by the way, just like Yeshua, in his 30s, laid himself down on the altar. Abraham didn't carry him. He's too heavy. <laughs> right? He's 30 years old. He's 30-some years old. And he lays himself down willingly on the altar. And what did Yeshua say in John chapter 10, Yohanan 10? I lay down my life. No one takes it away from me. You can, you, can blame, you can blame shift all you want. Blame shift. Blame the Jews all you want. I did. I plotted for you. For you. But he's sheet 37, 23. It says this. And so it was. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic. The fine woolen tunic that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into the pit. The pit was empty. No water was in it. They sat to eat food. They raised their eyes and they saw, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead. Their camels bearing spices, balsam, and lotus. On their way to bring them down to Egypt, Yehuda, Judah, said to his brothers, what gain will there be if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the dog. Let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. But let our hand not be upon him. 
for he is our brother, our own flesh. Midrash Shabbat 84.17 asks, why does the Torah bother to detail the spices that the Ishmaelites were carrying? Who cares? Okay, they're carrying spices. Who cares? The guy's going to go down to Egypt as a slave. Like, who cares about the spices? Right? Who cares about uh, rosemary and whatever? <laughs> I don't know whatever spices there are out there. Right? Well, listen to this. Why? It wasn't the practice of the Ishmaelites to be carrying anything other than hides, animal hides. Ever been around dead animal? And resin, whose odor is foul. However, we see what the Holy One, blessed is He, prepared for that righteous man, Joseph. On that occasion, and that occasion only, sacks full of spices so that the wind would blow through them, stirring their aroma to counter the vile odor of the cargo usually transported by the air. It was only in that day there were spices. They never carry spices. Just one day. And that one moment for that one man. Why? It was all to let Joseph know. Hey, you're in my plot. You're the lead character. I'm writing this. You're in the middle of it. But listen. He wanted to make sure that Yosef did not despair. Did not give credit to the enemy. Oh, Hasatan is doing this. Oh, the enemy. No. You're in my perfect path. Psalm 1831. I love to quote this all the time. As for Hashem, His way is perfect. His way is perfect. Does it look like it? <laughs> Sometimes. But His way is perfect. He wanted Joseph to know, I am with you, Joseph. Among, listen, among this stench of dead animals, there is a beautiful aroma. So much so that Joseph didn't even smell the dead animals. All he smelled was the spice. You, Joseph, may be going down to Egypt's stench of idolatry, of immorality, but the sweet aroma of my breath. My Shekhinah is going with me. Matthew Yahu 4.1. Matthew 4.1. We're coming, we're narrowing, narrowing down, getting close to the end. Matthew 4.1. Then Yeshua was led by Hasatan into the wilderness to be tempted by Hasatan. Is that what happened? Did Hasatan lead Yeshua to be tempted by Hasatan? Hasatan cannot lead anything. Then Yeshua was led by the Ruach, by the Spirit, by God Himself into the wilderness to be tempted. But I don't understand. How, how can God orchestrate all this stuff? And then, you know, it's, it's, there's bad things going on. There's hatred and all this. He led Yeshua to be tempted. Not for temptation's sake. But so that the sea could be sliced. Friends, there's a when I when I barely came to know Yeshua. This is 24 years ago. I was I was a really bad person. Okay, my, my 
strike you as a surprise. <laughs> that was a really bad person. And I don't glory in that. I don't brag about that. I try to not talk about it. Um, but one of the things that I basically worshipped was music. I, I was into, into really, really dark, heavy, bad music. <laughs> and um, Hashem, in His mercy and His grace for me, He surrounded me with friends, true friends, that would constantly witness me. I, they knew how lost I was. But they were always witnessing me, witnessing me. And then they would give me these CDs. I'm dating myself there, right? These CDs. And they were of music, but that was, uh, you know, like Christian rock type of stuff, right? They're, they knew how I was into that stuff. And I'm like, you can't have Christian rock. You can't have Christian rock. Come on now. You have to have bad words. Come on. You know what I mean? You, you just, it's just a thing. You have to, right? Um, but they just kept pressing it. All right, man, I'll, I'll listen to your music. And guess what? That's what opened my heart. I opened my heart to Hashem. Hashem knew me. Well, one of those, those bands wrote a song called Destroyer. It's all about the enemy. Listen to this. This is a chorus. I'm not going to sing it to you. because <laughs> He says this. Let go. He's telling let go because you know in the end all you were was a pawn in the show that's beautiful I was listening to the I hadn't listened in in 20 some years I listened to the day I was just in tears <laughs> in tears and you'd be like dun, dun, dun. you know how's that how's that gonna lead you to tears <laughs> that's just me in the end all you were was a pawn in the show give him any credit. Hashem's a pot. We need to begin to thank Hashem for the spices among the stench. For without those trials, there is no future redemption for us and for those that are lost around us. Without a hatred that led to a plot to let the dogs loose on Joseph. Again, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. The Gentiles, the dogs. There would never have been a Yeshua, a salvation for Israel from famine, hello, and from Pharaoh at the Sea of Egypt. One other little insight, real quick. I won't charge. I can't charge any of Shabbat. <laughs> this is precisely why the person who betrayed Yeshua, his name is not Judas Iscariot. It's an English translation. His name is Yehuda. His name is Judah. From Kriyot. He had to be the one who betrayed Yeshua for 30 pieces of silver. And if you do the math over here, Judah sold Yeshua, sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. But the value went to the time. Yeshua had to suffer because he was Mashiach ben Yosef. We wanted to get ahead of ourselves. I say we. Because we wanted Mashiach ben David. That's what we wanted. But we have to have the suffering servant first. It's in the oral Torah. Before the palace, Yosef had to endure the prison. Before being seated in the heavenly palace, Yeshua had to suffer. This is also our precedent. This is our precedent. 
And we're going to end with 1 Kepha 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Loved ones. I love that. Right? When, when, you know, Yeshua inspires these writers with, hey, address them as loved ones. <laughs> Beloved. Right? Loved ones. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He's saying, look at the precedence. Verse 13, instead rejoice insofar as you share. Ever say share. You share in the sufferings of Messiah. Hello. We are sharing in the sufferings of Messiah. So that the revelation of His glory, you may also rejoice and be glad. If you are insulted for the name of Messiah, you are fortunate. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. For let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a, as a troublemaker. Now that's on you, right? Hey, if you're getting picked on because you're, you're mean and cruel and, and whatever and you're committing crimes, well, don't be saying I'm being persecuted. That's a different story. If you're being persecuted and picked on and going through trials because of Yeshua, in Yeshua's name, because Hashem is orchestrating this, but if anyone suffers for following Messiah, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this name. Don't think it's anything strange. Don't think it's anything new. And we feel like we always feel like I'm the only one, <laughs> right? I'm the only one. Elijah the prophet, I'm the only prophet. I'm the, I'm the only one that follows you. And there was, there was plenty more, <laughs> right? We are sharing, friends, we are sharing. We are sharing, we are sharing in the suffering of our Mashiach. Who are we? If, if our Mashiach suffered, if our forefathers suffered before the glory, who are we to escape? Right. The beautiful thing is, we could take in that spell. Shekinah. He is going down. He is there with us every step of the way. Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for Shabbat. Thank you for all that you're teaching us. All that you have taught us through Yosef. All that you taught us, Lord, through this parasha. All that you have, are teaching us, Father, through the forefathers and Mashiach. Thank you, Lord, because you are good. Thank you because, Lord, in in the end, you are the great editor. You are the true judge. You are the one that's orchestrating and plotting all things for mankind so that the seas would part for us. And not only for us, but for our moms and dads, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, cousins, strangers who you put in our past, co-workers, neighbors, enemies, those that don't like us at all, those that maybe we don't like, Father, we thank you because, Lord, you're plotting all things, all things for your glory, all things for good, all things. Help us, Lord, to realize every time that we're suffering for good, suffering for you, suffering for Mashiach, that we are sharing in his suffering. We praise you. We thank you. And we love you with all of our hearts. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Hallelujah. Let's stand for the blessing, guys.